0: Hello, and welcome to Wind Down, Build Up, the podcast giving you the tea and the tools to succeed in business. I'm Tabitha Solomon. And I'm KJ Miller.
1: Today on the show, we're asking, when should you invest in your friends' startups? Mm. Which I think
0: <laughs> is a very interesting topic. It is, because I think a lot of times the default especially for people who don't come from money is like, I'm not giving you money to like, you know, a business that I don't know I'm guaranteed to get money back from, but there are times when you may consider it. And we're hoping to give people an idea to understand what are the right questions you should be asking and see if you should actually part with your money.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think also along with some people thinking like, Oh, I would never invest in a startup. It's too risky. I've also seen the pendulum swing where people they see a friend start something and they're so excited for that friend that they're like, Oh, I'm definitely going to put money in and they don't consider all of the consequences and you know, just how that relationship can evolve. So Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's going to be a good conversation. Absolutely. All right, guys, we've got a new sponsor this week, and I'm so excited to tell you all about them. The name of the store is Sookie's Candle Co. Sookie is an amazing Black woman who's been featured in Vogue and Black Enterprise and a million other sites for her amazing, amazing candles. And look, if you know me, I'm not typically a candle girl. I'm not one of these girls who has candles all over the house, but Sookie sent us some of her amazing candles, and I have been using it ever since. So I'm currently in love with coconut lime. Yes, one of the scents is coconut lime. She has amazing, really original scents. So grapefruit mint, honeysuckle jasmine, sea salt and orchid. I mean, scents you're not going to find anywhere else and they're so refreshing. When I light my coconut lime, I honestly just feel pure joy and pure relaxation, you've got to try these candles. So if you want to try them, go to SookiesCandleCo.com. It's S-U-K-I-E-S-C-A-N-D-L-E-C-O.com. And I promise you, you will not regret it. Now let's get back to the show. All right, guys, let's jump right into the tea for the week.
0: Mm -hmm. Tabitha, you
1: sent me a really great article um, on entrepreneur.com from this sort of longtime entrepreneur named Alex Gold, who writes about his terrible experiences (laughs) with (laughs) with a couple of friends who wanted him to invest in their startups and how how quickly things sort of like went south when he said no and decided not to invest, which I thought was really interesting. So fill us
0: in on sort of this story. Absolutely. So Alex has multiple conversations with a friend where he expresses that, dude, I think this is a great lifestyle business and I'll support you in any way I can through introductions, through, you know, giving you support, giving you advice, but to be clear, like, I'm not going to give you money. Uh, And his friend, instead of taking the hint or taking the client with grace responds, we have a commitment for half a million dollars. We're good. We don't need your money. We don't need your help. <laughs> what? That's you know, it just lacks tact and grace in my opinion. You know, um, this guy like not everyone you ask for money, whether they have the money or not, is obligated to invest in your business, regardless of how good the idea is, how uh you know how good of your friendship is. Like it's their money. And if this person chooses to decline, I thought the decline was rather nice because he's still offering other resources that could help you as an entrepreneur. The response needs to be, you know, thanks for at least having this conversation or hearing me out. I'll love to take you up on those other opportunities. But yeah. Yeah. I was
1: really honestly confused by this example, really, both examples, because what really stuck out for me was his friends just seemed to feel really entitled to his money, Mm -hmm. which is so weird. I mean, we'll talk about this when we get into the tools, but when I reached out to A group of my friends about the investment opportunity in minted i was very clear that like there was no pressure this was going to be the only email they got from me about it and i would only follow up if they followed up with me and you know it would not change anything i just wanted to give them an opportunity because the round was closing and you know i cared about them enough to say like look if you're interested, I care about you and want to give you an opportunity to get in the round. However, no pressure, right? And there truly was no pressure. Most of the people I emailed did not come in. Like most of them (laughs) did not invest in our startup and I'm still friends with all of them. So Mm -hmm. I'm just so flabbergasted by this idea that like you could feel so entitled to someone's money that when they decline and, you know, respectfully decline, you turn around and say something like, Just so we're clear, we're not (laughs) desperate for funding. We have half a million committed, you know, like, huh? Like, that was very, very weird to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I also wonder, what is your leadership skills? You know, how are they going to lead an organization? It makes me feel like this guy made the right decision by not giving them money because they clearly don't have Mm -hmm. the right EQ, right? And business is, is, is about people you know, like they couldn't read the room. They didn't handle the situation. Right. So I just, I personally don't trust their judgment based off of this one interaction.
1: Yeah, completely agree. And then I thought with the other story, it was sort of similar, but basically it was another friend who hit him up, wanting him to invest in around and basically sort of said like, If you don't invest now, you're going to be boxed out of the new entity, (laughs) you know, and you're going to be boxed out from future rounds as if like, that was such a huge start. Like, oh no, I might not get to put in more money in your, you know, your startup. Like that's crazy. And again, just seems so like such an entitled position to hold.
0: You know, I completely agree. And what made me particularly sad about this, the second story is this was someone he considered to be his best. Friend, and yeah, he was so flabbergasted by this boxed out comment, he actually didn't respond and decided to wait for this person to reach out and perhaps see the light. And they never did, and they didn't, they never talked again. So, what pained yeah. me in this story is like he actually lost two friends because they mismanaged how to reach out and ask for money and how they took the decline.
1: Yeah. And what's weird is like, I mean, I personally, if this is how I lost two friends, I feel like I'd be very clear that they weren't actually friends mm, because mm-hmm. if my like decision not to give you my own money, like my money that I've earned, you know, like yeah. if my decision not to do that means you no longer like see value in our friendship, then you never actually valued me as a person, you know, mm, like that's just... Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy, but I do see things like this happen. And I think that's why it's you
0: know important that we're having this conversation. Absolutely. So our our for our tools, we're answering the question, hey, my friend has a startup. Should I invest? So I guess, you know, I'd love to hear from you, KJ, some of the questions that you might ask yourself if someone presented awesome business idea, an opportunity for, uh, for you to invest in making the decision whether to essentially put your money in the company or not?
1: Yeah, well, I will say this. The very first thing that I ask myself, because I have invested in startups, very few and a very small amount of money, but I have invested. Um, and the very first thing I ask myself is, do I have money that I am okay mm-hmm. with losing yeah, if i right, do I have money that I am okay with losing mm-hmm. because most startups fail mm-hmm. and so if this money is money that you need for you know for for to saving up for a house or a car or your college your kid's college tuition or whatever it may be, don't use that money that means you yeah. can invest it doesn't matter how good the idea is that means don't invest because by mm-hmm. the way, good ideas, companies that were good ideas fail all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like literally all the time. So just having a good idea isn't enough. So that's the first question. Like, do I have some amount of money that if I lost it, right? Like I gave it to this startup and they, you know, lit it on fire the next day, I'd be fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the first question. Yeah. Um, and then the second question is a lot of people say this and, and I think it's true for me and this isn't true for everybody but for me um when i'm thinking about investing in someone like i really am thinking about investing in that person and investing in sort of that mission so it's not enough for me to just think like oh this is a really great money making idea like i'm sure mm-hmm. there are a lot of like you know bitcoin blockchain <laughs> ai Ideas out there that probably will make a billion dollars, but like I in this moment don't care about any of that. And so the thought that I'd put my hard earned dollars behind something that like I don't care about at all isn't super appealing to me. Again, that's just my investment sort of thesis, if I have one at all. Um, That's not everybody's, but that is something that's important to me. That's number two. Um, And then number three is like I really do think when you're investing in an early startup, you're investing in the people. Yeah. So to your point about how that guy's reaction in that story made it seem like, uh, what kind of leader would you be anyway? Like, why would I want to invest in you? I'm the same, I'm the same way. Like when I get people who are asking me for investments, like I'm not just looking at your business idea, I'm looking at you. Do you mm. seem like someone who's trustworthy? Do you yeah. seem like someone who's Absolutely. gonna treat, you know, this money, like it really matters or like someone who's gonna be making wild decisions <laughs> and spending the money, <laughs> any which way so mm-hmm.
0: those those to me are the three things that like off top I'm thinking about yeah I completely agree with each one of those things and what I would add is um I also want to think about like how will this impact my relationship yeah. with these people if things go well and if things don't go well you mm-hmm. know so you know and the downside things don't go well Will that mean that this relationship? Is severed or it ends um, because I feel like I was putting my relationship on the line, and if things were to go south, that those relationship would end. I wouldn't take that person's money, like you know, I just I just wouldn't because my friendship just matters so much. I can't put a price tag on them, you yeah. know, um, and that's that's just where I stand on things. Um, but I think that ties to like setting expectations up front, having things documented you know and having those difficult and somewhat awkward conversations right because with your friends you you're not usually talking about money you know you're not talking about equity like ownership like those are things that you might talk about theoretically or you might talk about like stock but it's different when you're talking about something that you're creating and your decisions impact the success or the failure of said company you know mm-hmm. um and so for me, it's like um, setting the expectations is like just critical. And in that conversation, if it's like, well, you know, like, well, you know, I'm investing, so I'm expecting to get all this money back. You might say like, well, I absolutely, that's the goal here, right? Like we shouldn't be doing this if we don't believe this can be something big and disruptive where we all walk away more profitable than we came to the table. But understanding that there is risk involved, like If you put your money in the stock market, there's risk involved. You know, like Mm -hmm. you said, you know, more than 50% of businesses fail after the first two years and most quote unquote overnight successes take at least six years to become successful. Mm -hmm. So like the other question, like, do they have the patience for that? Will they give you grace to kind of make mistakes, to learn, to iterate, to pivot, to do what you need to do to reach that promised land? You know, yeah. do, do they have the patience? Um, so it's like, you know, what will this do to my relationship? Can we have an honest conversation? The setting expectations? Do they have the patience to actually get a return for six plus years? You know, which is on average what it'll take. Those are some yeah. of the other questions I'm kind of asking myself. You know, and I'm thinking about it from like, will I take the money from people? Cause I've, I've had friends invest in my company, but we had to go through all these layers before, you know, we could finalize that exchange. Yeah. Well, and I'll also say, so I I have,
1: um, three, um, friends, one from undergrad, two from business school who invested, but I asked an additional, um, probably three other people from business school who Mm -hmm. did not end up investing, but. Mm -hmm. For all of them, I sat them down and took them through our full pitch. Mm -hmm. I was not like, hey, I've got this idea. I'd love for you to invest and we're homies. So, like, slide 10K. (laughs) You know, like, I I didn't, I would never do that. And by the way, same for my parents. I I pitched to my parents as well Mm -hmm. and asked them to put some money in. And I gave them a full blown pitch. Okay. I did not just say, like, hey, y'all. You want to slide this money? You know, like, I just think you have to take it just as seriously. Um, So if anyone's coming to you asking for an investment, but they don't have a pitch deck, they don't Mm. have any sort of financial model, they don't have any sort of thought process as to like the valuation, if they haven't already gotten a lead investor, which by the way, is another thing I did. I didn't reach out to any friends or family until we had a lead investor who Mm. had already set the terms of the round. So I, you know, I was trying to make it as, I was trying to make it less risky for them, basically. Mm -hmm. So, which not, again, not everyone is going to do, but for me, that was another way where I wanted to make it clear, like, I am being thoughtful about this ask to you, and I am being thoughtful about your money. I'm showing Mm -hmm. that to you here. So, you know, like, I'm always going to be this thoughtful, right? Like, I, I just think if anyone's coming to you super casually asking for your Hard-earned dollars. That's
0: that's a no, you know. I, agree. Right. I completely agree. <laughs> and you know what's funny? Um, my friend who invested was the toughest person I had to pitch. And I of like everyone who actually came in around, <laughs> which was crazy. He was mm-hmm. asking for like. A data room. And at that point, I was like, what's a data room? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, like, we haven't even officially launched, you know, so versus the other folks. So I completely agree with you. Like, he, everything that the venture capitalists saw, had access to meetings we ran, he got, uh, they both got essentially privy to and were treated the same. Um, and in some, in some regards he was tougher, you know? So mm-hmm. I completely agree with you on like not treating it like they're doing you a favor. This is a business deal. Yep. This yep. is a business deal. So uh, both people need to feel that way. So I'm curious, KJ, from your perspective. So you, you secured, you know, your lead investor and then you sent out an email you have a number of people who respond. I like to understand more about the process. So what then happens? Are you scheduling meetings with all the people that respond? You do the pitch and then they're either in or they're out? Or is there more in between there, whether it's negotiations or contracts or anything else before things are like final?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons I liked doing it in the order that I did it was there was nothing to negotiate, right? Like the terms mm-hmm. of the deal were, were set. I
0: set. Yeah. So it wasn't, it
1: wasn't about like, Hey, do you want to, you know, get this much equity for this price? It was like, no, right, right. (laughs) depending on how much money you're putting in, that's what dictates how much equity you get because the terms of the deal have already been set. So yeah, I, I sent an email to these people and you know, the email I will say was casual, right? Because like Mm -hmm. I said, I wasn't trying to pressure people. So the email Mm -hmm. was like, Hey, like, just so you guys know, Minted is about to close our first round. I've talked to you guys all about this new business that I'm running with Amanda or that I'm starting with Amanda. And you guys came to mind as people who might be interested in an investment, totally no pressure. But mm-hmm. if you're interested in learning more, let me know. And I'm happy to set up, um, you know, set up a call and take you through the deck. So you know, some people responded and I said, okay, great. Uh, we set up a call. I took them through the deck. I answered any questions they had, took them through our forecast, um, took them through our product launch roadmap. Like this is mm-hmm. how we're thinking about what we're going to launch, when we're going to launch. And then I sort of said like, look, we're looking for commitments by X state. And I recommend that for no matter who you're pitching, don't just like mm-hmm. give people some open-ended, they can come in whenever sort of thing. Like, right. so look, we're looking for commitments by X state. And then I would follow up with people. And some of them came in, like I said, and some didn't, but there was never any pressure. The people who didn't come in, I was like, I totally understand. You know, a lot of them were like, not that I reached out to so many, but the, but the ones who said, no, basically were like, I love this and I'm rooting for you. But like, For my family right now and like the things we're investing in right now, it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense, which I totally get by the way. Like right now Kadar and I are actually trying to, you know, um, purchase a new home. And so it doesn't matter who came to me right now with the startup (laughs) right, with this startup idea. I can't invest. We are ill liquid. We are literally saving every time trying to get this house. So which I totally understand. And again, no pressure. So Mm -hmm. I think you if you're in the seat where you are thinking of asking friends for money, you just you cannot let it become personal, like you don't know what is going on in people's finances. And and like, it doesn't it shouldn't mean anything about your friendship or your relationship with
0: them. If they're not going to invest in you, you know? Yeah, totally. I think what was really smart is because when you're talking to investors, they know you know, um, valuations. They know what's appropriate equity. They know multiples. They, they know all this jargon that friends and family most of the time don't understand. Even if they work in business, they mm-hmm. unless they're in like the venture capital space or they private equity space or they've um, you know built a company themselves or they've done uh, something with investing, all that jargon is very intimidating and doesn't mean anything to them they just want to know like if i put in this much amount of money how much of your company do i own you know and so and then they don't know if it's fair or not so by having a venture capitalist who is essentially you and them have already agreed on a fair price they uh, would have then assumed that due diligence has been done and this is a fair number so now is do i have the money do i believe in what you're doing you know like go no go So I think that was really, really smart to do it that way. Um, Because I've often heard to do it the other way, which is start with, you know, either crowdfunding or your friends and family round first. And then once you have that money, do something small, you know, get some, do a launch MVP, get a little bit of traction, and then go to VCs or, you know, or angels, you know, like, yeah.
1: And I think like that also to me is, a bit more of a privileged route and and by Mm. that I just I just mean like if you have confidence that you have friends and family who can kick off your fundraise for you with enough money to really like get the round started like that means you have a pretty well-off set of friends Mm. and family Mm
0: -hmm. where
1: you know I knew I was reaching out to a relatively small group of friends and just my parents. And I knew between all of them, even if they all came in, we'd be talking about a relatively small amount of money, you know, Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. maybe 50k all in between all Mm -hmm. of those people. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't to me, it didn't make sense to start there. I wanted to de risk it for them so that they'd Mm -hmm. feel comfortable putting in that collective 50k if that's what it amounted to. Yeah. But, you know, I think starting there, Typically, if I when I see people who can raise like two hundred fifty thousand dollars, friends and family round, it's like okay, you have different friends and family than I do, <laughs> you know, and like and that's okay, no shade. If you've got it, that's great, but like,
0: a lot of people also just aren't in that position, you know. Mm-hmm, totally, totally. So okay, so not everyone is going to be able to start with VCs, right? I think, mm-hmm. and some people might say like, you know what, if I was to get fifty thousand, that would be enough to get me going that would be like strong enough yeah i think then the question would be is like if you're debating on whether i should invest in my friend's company is this a fair valuation um so what would you say to you know those who are listening like yeah i you know i have a friend who has a great idea and i want to invest i don't know if this number is fair because they don't have a vc first you know Mm -hmm. or or Mm -hmm. vice versa right like Hey, like I want, I want to take my friends' money, but I don't know, and I or I want to ask my friends and family for money, but I don't know how much of my company I should give away this early. How would you suggest people think about that? <sighs> yeah, I, I, it's tough. I mean, there are
1: some rules of thumb out there, like your first round, you probably want, you don't want to be giving away more than twenty to thirty percent of your company, mm-hmm. and that's if you're raising you know, enough money to really get you a full, call it 12 to 18 months of runway. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a rule of thumb, but plenty of people only sell like 5%, you know, in the first race. And then there are people who have to give up like 40%, you know, Mm -hmm. like, so that's, it's, it's hard to say there's no like one right answer. I would do as much Googling as you can and asking as many people as you can who, either have startup or, or angel investing or venture capital experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, I guess, a general rule of thumb. And by the way, that doesn't mean like, let's say you're investing. That doesn't mean that you should get 20% of this person's company <laughs> unless you are providing all of the startup capital in that round. Mm-hmm. So if that person is saying, I need to raise $50,000 to have 18 months of runway mm-hmm. and you want to put up the full 50 then you might be able to ask for 20%. But mm-hmm. if you're going to put in five of the 50, then obviously you get a 10th, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you get 2%. So that's sort of how to think about it. But again, like there's no like hard and fast rule. At least that's, that's my advice, but I don't know, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I would have said something very similar. So, you know, um, so just to use numbers to make that a bit more concrete, if the going rate is like, a million dollars for your industry get means that you give twenty percent. And you're like, okay, well, I'm not gonna raise a million, but a hundred thousand would do wonders for me right now. So like ten percent of that. Um, so that means that you're willing to give, like since you're pro writing it, two percent of your company away. Now, are the people then so it's like, okay, so you can make that argument, like it's logical, right? So you're giving two percent of your company away for a hundred thousand, but are the people giving you money comfortable with that? Because they may say, "I'm that is not worth my time, you know? So then you, to KJ's point, then you probably have to think about, okay, w- what is worth your time? Like if you look at, at accelerators like YC or 500 startups for around 100 to 150, you're giving away somewhere between five to 7%. So you could also use that as a rule of thumb. Um, but people, some people might argue those accelerators, you're also getting like resources, access to networks, you know, tons of other startups, founder, like founder space, et cetera. So then you can maybe make an argument that to go a little bit lower than that five to 7%. Cause I think five to 7% for a hundred thousand is very expensive. So it needs to come with much more than that. Um, but I think what I'm getting at is like, you need to have a proxy something to reference so hopefully these numbers are just something in a ballpark to get you like the conversation going versus if you've never thought or talked about these numbers before you don't know where to start so you're like do I give away five percent fifty percent I hope these numbers at least get the conversation going and you you make it malleable to your particular industry and your particular um, needs for both you and your friends and family interested in investing yeah yeah absolutely so then there's this question about equity versus loans. Did you ever consider just taking a loan from friends and family? Or uh did you just immediately say no, like this, we're just doing price rounds? Um, so technically our
1: first round it was convertible debt. And oh, so okay. without getting into all the particulars of convertible debt, it's essentially a loan on paper, but a loan that everyone understands will eventually convert into equity once you do a priced round. Okay. Um, so there's no real expectation that you pay it back. And I think the the tricky thing with loans, I, I personally don't think I would have asked for a loan from my friends and family. If I were going to get a loan, I would have tried to have gotten one from like the That's Small the Business Administration. Yeah. Um, but I think getting a loan from friends and family, I mean, like a loan is a loan. That means you're going to pay it back. And given that so many startups fail, I wouldn't want any of my friends and family giving me money that I knew inherently to be incredibly risky and then also mm-hmm. promising them to pay it back. You mm-hmm. know, like that, I don't think I would have felt comfortable doing. What, what about you?
0: Yeah, I think, so if you want to have a lifestyle business, I feel like the thinking is very different. Mm -hmm. so if you want to have a lifestyle business meaning that like you don't ever plan to raise venture capital money but you plan on growing something that can give you the lifestyle you desire using uh profits from the company i think a loan may make sense then because Mm -hmm. you just need enough money to get you off the ground to build something profitable you pay folks back at some particular interest and all the profit goes to you so it won't be you know like a billion dollar company but there's lifestyle businesses that do like $2 million a year, you know, yeah. and you might yeah. profit like 300000 and live a very comfortable life, you know? Yeah. I don't know if I did the math right there, but you know, what I'm saying? <laughs> like, if you're doing a million in revenue and you have 300000 for you after all your costs, that's not a bad life, you know? No, that's a great life. It's a great life, right? Let's say it's $3 million and you're taking home 900000 That's even better, right? So- I think there is a time and a place to do loans, and I think especially if you're doing lifestyle businesses, that it might make more sense to do the loan path versus the equity. yeah,
1: I think that's a good point i I just think I would still, in that scenario mm-hmm. want to make it clear to anyone loaning me money like this is still a risk absolutely right? and so like the reason mm-hmm. i'm going I'm coming to you for this loan and not the bank is because the bank will take my house, right? Like when banks give you (laughs) loans, they make you give collateral. Mm -hmm. So if I'm coming to you, my friend, it's because I still plan to pay you back. But my assumption is if I can't, you're not taking me to court and you're not taking my house, (laughs) you know, like, and they, I just would want to make sure I'd be, I was still very upfront about that. Like, this is still risky, but here's my business plan right like yeah. i'm opening up this coffee shop i'm opening up this bar it's in this great location here's what other bars in you know the 5 mile radius typically do i've done my research i feel confident in x y z here's my you know so again right. i'm still laying out my plan i'm still treating them you know with the respect they deserve i'm making it very clear i'm being serious and thoughtful about this um but i don't have to have all of the same fear and worry as when i get a loan from a bank
0: yeah I could be wrong, but I've watched a couple of episodes of Judge Judy. Don't judge me by that statement. Oh, I know. But I think if you take a loan from a friend and family, you're obligated to pay it back unless you declare bankruptcy.
1: Yeah, so I'm I think if you sign something saying you will pay anybody back, you're obligated to pay that back. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying my hope would be a friend wouldn't enforce it if I like legit couldn't do it you gotcha. know what I mean like if I my see. coffee shop went belly up my hope is that the friend would be like oh that sucks but you know that's business you know <laughs> <laughs> but where, whereas the bank would be like okay well you signed over your deed to your house to me because you still owe me xyz like but I think your friend absolutely could take you to court and get there yeah. money for oh, okay. sure. Okay, gotcha. Which is <laughs> why I, I, I just don't think I would ask my friends for a loan. I don't know. I've never mm-hmm. asked my friends or my family members for a loan. And I mm-hmm. just,
0: I, I don't know that I could do that. Yeah. Well, I hear you on that. Well, I know our episode is coming to an end, but there's one thing that um, I want to make sure we celebrate is Kamala Harris. Yes, Yes. just Come on, Kamala Biden's DP
1: pick. Yes, I texted Amanda. We FaceTimed immediately. We were just (laughs) so, so hype. Like, and you don't understand, Amanda loves Kamala. Like, I love Kamala, but Amanda loves Kamala. So, and we had the opportunity to meet her actually last year. I think it was early last year. She was so great. Um, and, you know, I'm just so excited. It's like reinvigorated me for this election. Oh, yeah. So sure. I'm I'm super excited.
0: Now, um, I know my sister and I were talking about this. You know, she has some controversial uh, past when it comes to mass incarceration. And for me, I'm like, look let's just say this is an opportunity to atone and to like, now everyone's awake, you know, there was a period where um, folks weren't awake on like just what was happening and her job was incredibly hard. Right. Because and I, I think there may be an argument for like why she is the right person in history to be in this like really important time where there, there is this fight for justice and, there's an acknowledgement of police brutality and there's this, you know, acknowledgement of mass incarceration and what it's doing to our country and our people. Um, And I think she's been in the midst in dealing with this for decades at this point. And I think that if anything, some of the decisions right or wrong that she's made has gotten to a place where she's awakened. I think she can galvanize change in a way more than someone who may not be as intimately familiar with the inner workings of like that part of our criminal justice system.
1: Yeah. You know, look, everyone's got a past and there's no such thing as a perfect candidate. And I understand people don't love her history on, you know, first of all, as a prosecutor and second of all on, 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 um, mass incarceration, but I do believe that she has changed in a lot of ways. And I also think like, look, you know, change doesn't happen overnight and she is a moderate, like, let's be mm-hmm. clear. She, yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the reason Biden wanted her on the ticket. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that she doesn't have great things to say and great things to accomplish. You know, she has been such a strong voice for the people, for justice, for the little guy, for impoverished people for such a long time. And I do feel like sometimes when people try to b- throw her record against her, it's like, what do you want? Like, do you want perfection? Like, show me the perfect candidate. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. who is this mystical person that you think should be running for president or you think should be VP? Like, because I don't think they exist. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm excited for Kamala, you know, like, I, it's I think- It's a very big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big moment. First Black um, VP of a major party. First uh, Indian American VP of a major party. Like, I mean, it's a lot. And I'm very excited. And
0: woman. Oh, wait, there was Sarah Palin. Yeah, but. Sorry, I forgot <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, yeah. This, is, this is major. This is major. So I definitely want to take a moment and celebrate that. That's a very big deal in American history yeah absolutely agree well cheers to that cheers to that (laughs) again we're so so
1: happy that you're here so so happy that you're tuning in and if you're loving the show and loving the podcast please go ahead and give us a five-star rating um, and tell a friend about the show
0: Yes. And if you have a topic that you would love for us to dive into, or if you're interested in sponsorship opportunities, simply send us an email at winddownbuildup@gmail.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.